we're going to finish out our series on the Sermon on the Mount by looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I want to focus in on one particular aspect of it. Uh, and it's uh, tonight I'll be really teaching to myself in many ways. This is an issue or a problem that I struggle with. Uh, always dangerous, maybe, but I want to want to talk about some uh, the issue of forgiveness, um, which is a, a prominent feature of Christ's ministry uh, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, um, but also uh, in the Sermon on the Mount itself. So with that, let's go ahead and turn to uh, chapter 6 of uh, the book of Matthew, uh, and we'll start in verse 5. And I I recall briefly kind of where this is positioned in the text itself. Christ is talking uh, about, uh, at this point, he's saying, you should go do the, the, the three great acts of Jewish religious life, uh, giving, right, uh, alms or giving, charity, prayer, and fasting. Like, you, you should definitely do those. Um, but when you do them, you shouldn't do them in public so that people can kind of see who you are or, under, or think about how important and, and devout you are. What you should be doing instead uh, is, is doing those things secretly. Uh, and in the middle of this, this discourse about uh, kind of uh, being, uh, being a good person in secret, right, uh, he uh, kind of veers off a little bit or he, goes, he launches into a short uh, uh, excursus or a short digression uh, about what prayer is or about what, what you should say in prayer. Uh, and so we have here uh, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's actually not the Lord's Prayer, it's how the Lord is telling us to pray. Uh, and I want, I want to highlight a couple of things in it, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk briefly about kind of the progression of the prayer itself, uh, and then focus on forgiveness, because that really is the, the end point, or the, there's kind of a, a, that's the theme of the sermon on the, or of the, the Lord's Prayer. So verse 5, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Remember, that's a formula phrase throughout this, this passage, right? You're, do this in secret and your father will reward you openly, right? There's that, that he keeps saying that based around these, these three great acts of piety. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Uh, we, we don't know what uh, Greek or Roman prayer were like, but based on this, it seems like they were uh, based on uh, heavily on repetition and wailing and uh, doing all kinds of things to get the gods to hear you, like just repeating the same phrase over and over and over again. Uh, I suppose I could launch into a digression about uh, modern worship music at this point, but I won't. Um, I did that last week and people shook their fingers at me and said, don't you do that. So anyway, but when you pray... Uh, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Right, so he's, he's setting it up and he says, here's what you say. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? Immediately recognizing, right? God is holy. God is separate from us. God is different. God, right? The, one of the themes of the Sermon on the Mount is I must diminish so that he can increase, right? And immediately recognizes the vast and enormous uh, distances between who God is and who we are. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What, What do we learn from that phrase? You should do this every day. Right? You're not at, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say give us this week our weekly bread or uh, give us this year our annual bread. Every single day this prayer is for. Uh, it's for us to focus, right? Come to the Lord repeatedly every day, relying on Him uh, for the things that, for our daily sustenance. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And and then, right, so that's the prayer, right, because we know because it ends with amen. And then he launches into a little explanation, and here's what he says. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive forgive your trespasses. Now, if we read that and we take it seriously, our blood should run cold, right? Because how many, how many times do you pray, right? Lord, forgive me of this or that sin or this or that thing that I did um, or this or that attitude that I held. But in your heart, you are harboring a grudge against somebody. You, you are living with secret or open resentment against someone. Uh, my assumption is that most of you, uh, most of you work, because most people do. Um, have you ever had someone say to you in the context of work, uh, somebody approach you and say, um, and do something awful and say, it's only, it was a business decision. It's only business. It was personal to me. <laughs> right? Uh, it, it, the, we go through life and uh, the surfaces of contact that we have between people are never, never smooth. Right? You cannot live in community with other people in the world and not experience hurt not experience something uh, that will generate within you resentment and anger and uh, unforgiveness or something to forgive. It's impossible. Uh, so, right, when we read those words, it, Jesus, it's obviously important to Jesus, right? That was part of the prayer. Forgive us our debts, just like we, for, to the extent and just like we forgive our debtors, right? For, forgive, forgive me only to that extent. Augustine, one of the church fathers uh, who lived, I believe, in 300, uh, 350 BC or AD. He wouldn't be a church father if he lived before Christ, but uh, he, um, 
uh, wrote voluminously about uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's got an entire commentary on it. And he said, if, if you pray this prayer, he pointed out that if you pray this prayer and you've not actually forgiven people, you, you're, you're praying for your own damnation, right? Because you're saying, well, I haven't forgiven people, um, but I would like you, so I'd like you to forgive me to the extent that I've forgiven others. Don't, don't do that. It, like if you sit down and pray this, if you are using this as your model prayer and you begin to pray it and you are harboring in your heart resentment towards anybody, stop. Don't do it. Now I want to I want to clarify a couple things. One, uh, are we talking about uh, the um, the kind of forgiveness that generates uh, salvation? Is is that what we're talking about? Well. Uh, if you read this, you, you should be a little scared, right, when you're reading it about that. Um, but I think fundamentally, no. And, and there are a couple of reasons I think this. One, um, Richard, is Richard up there? Hey, Richard, can you turn to my second passage, which I've now forgotten? Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Your salvation is eternal. It is the act of forgiveness that initiates your salvation is, is not something that God goes back on based on some condition that you've created in your life. Um, so even, even your lack of forgiveness... Now, I, I will say, if you are the type of person who, who habitually harbors a grudge for your entire life, and your life is filled with just angry contacts with other people, um, you, you should maybe step back and think, am I, am I in a right relationship with God? Like, have I ever achieved a right relationship with God? Um, and then my second passage, Richard... In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Nothing? That's it. So when Paul is using, I'm sorry. Um, so when Paul is using the word forgiveness, um, he, is not, he is not talking about the same concept as Christ is here. Remember the context of Christ's little statement about forgiveness is in the context of prayer. Right, prayer that you should do every single day. I want you to think of it this way. Um, and also, remember that the Sermon on the Mount is addressed to people who are already in the kingdom, right? He's addressing people who are in the kingdom and saying, this is what you'll act like based on your membership or your citizenship in this kingdom of mine. Um, so the, he's addressing people who are already in the club, right? They're, they're already saved. They've already a, a, attained a relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit, um, but uh, we are to nonetheless ask for forgiveness every day, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our, our, uh, our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, it's a continual process of sanctification and refinement over the course of a life. Um, and so this is not what... Uh, the, the forgiveness that Christ is speaking about, about here is, is not the kind of forgiveness that, that uh, theologians and scholars call legal 
uh, legal forgiveness or judicial forgiveness where God creates a state where, where you are connected to him as a citizen of the kingdom. Rather, it's like uh, par- parental forgiveness, uh, if I can y- use that metaphor. Um, so you are to renew your relationship with this prayer every day, right? Every, and it doesn't have to be this formula. He says, pray in this manner. Like, so it, a good prayer will contain these kind of components to it. Um, and one of them is to say, God, forgive me of my sins to the extent I've forgiven people who've sinned against me or my, my debtors. Um, why would you do that? Well, one, it, it brings to mind your own inadequacy, right? We've talked about how one of the themes of the Sermon on the Mount is that you have to shrink so that he can increase, right? Um, It, again, recognizes your smallness and inadequacy in the face of God. And when you do that, right, you um, you will naturally be inclined to I don't want to say that. You, you will be naturally inclined to forgive if you're in the right state of, of, of perspective uh, about Christ. And I'll, I'll demonstrate where Jesus says that in a moment later on in the book of Matthew. Um, so, uh, I will say this is an issue that I have a ton uh, of problems with, right? Uh, I, I, the example I used a moment ago when people, people wrong you and they say, well, it's only business. Uh, is it's not a fake example. It's a real example. Um, and again, it feels awfully personal to me uh, when it happens. Um, I've uh, lived and, or I've worked with people um, over the course of my career um, who have tried to do bad things to me. Um, and it seemed very unfair at the time and seems unfair now. Um, and I'm, I'm sure all of you have experiences that are very similar to that, like where you, ha- you harbor uh, some feeling or resentment towards people who've wronged you in your life. And, and maybe legitimately, like n- not, uh, re- resentment never stems from, a, from, a, a, from nothing, right? It often stems from a place of, of great pain because you feel like you've been treated poorly by somebody who should have treated you, uh, who should have treated you better. Um, but what I'm going to suggest to you, um, and I, my interest in this topic actually stems from uh, a conversation that I had with a friend, uh, actually back in high school, um, that was brought to my mind more recently. When I was in high school, uh, I have, had a friend who uh, worked with me, and he was not at, at Kroger, and uh, was not a Christian, uh, and was the kind of person who would question and kind of continually challenge, the kind of person I would really enjoy talking to now. Uh, but at the time, it was like, it was kind of a struggle, you know. And uh, he asked me, he gave a hypothetical question. He said, well, what if Hitler, you know where this goes, right? What if Hitler on his deathbed said, I'm real sorry, uh, and now I believe in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, please save me. Uh, and of course, you know, I being a young Christian, I said, well, do you, is, in your hypothetical, is Hitler sincere? And he's like, yes, let's say he is. And I said, well, I guess I don't have any choice but to say that Hitler, in, in your hypothetical question, would, uh, would go to heaven. Uh, and he said, well, I don't, I don't want to go to any heaven where Hitler might be, and he wouldn't be in any heaven I ran. 
Um, to which I replied, well, you don't get one. Um, and that was the end of the conversation. We really, uh, it, it was tough for me. To, I, I understood his objection, right? I understood his squeamishness. Um, and then more recently, I was talking to my friend David, uh, who's sitting back there with his wife. Uh, and uh, I said, I don't know why, but it came up in my mind again. Would you, for, would you forgive Hitler if Hitler said he was sorry? And David said, heck no, I wouldn't forgive Hitler. He's like, that's, that's, God, that's for God to do uh, and not for me. Uh, and of course, I've been reading the Sermon on the Mount, so it was a trap. Uh, and I said, I think people don't understand maybe how radical, how radical Christianity is in terms of forgiveness. Uh, if he said he was sorry and he truly meant it, he truly repented. I think I'd be obligated to, I, I, I read this and I think I'd be obligated to, I guess one, we could ask, what did Hitler do to John? But that's not the point, right? Um, if he were truly sorry and he stopped what he did uh, and repented of it, now justice might require, right, that he stand trial and ultimately be held accountable with his life. But I, I think Christ. What Christ says here would require me to say, I forgive you. That's a hard pill to swallow, man. Um, it's, it's hard for people in my life who haven't, you know, who haven't done awful, awful, awful things to all mankind. Um, and I've been, I've been struggling with this, frankly, lately. Um, not with forgiving Hitler, um, but with forgiving people in my life who I feel like have done awful, awful things to me. Um, and some of it is, right, like me coming to terms with the fact that not everybody has, 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 your, own, has your good in mind. Um, not everybody is the kind of leader that you would like. Um, and it, it eats at you. I can... Um, uh, Gosh, I wish I, the man's last name is McCourt. He wrote a novel called Angela's Ashes uh, about Irish immigrants to the United States. Uh, and he said once that uh, resentment or hatred for another person, not forgiving someone, right, not just letting it go, uh, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's, that's powerful, right? It eats away at you. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've woken up in the last couple years with, um, uh, you know, the phrase, uh, him or her, that person uh, li lives rent-free in your head. It, uh, that's real stuff, man. You wake up, uh, it, it consumes a, a significant part of your day, this kind of unforgiveness. Um, it's hard. It, it creates a lot of um, anger towards other people that aren't even involved. Uh, it colors your outlook. And, and I think it prevents you from having the kind of relationship that you should have with the Lord, right? You're supposed to come to him every day with your heart all emptied of, of these feelings, Right of, of, of now, I don't want to talk about feelings. Sorry, I, I should step back. Uh, of this burden, right of anger and unforgiveness, you should release it. Give it to him, 
every day and say, forgive me as I just forgave the people who wronged me. Every day. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but I, I want to, I've used the phrase parental forgiveness a moment ago. Um, so uh, I, I love my dad very much. Uh, when, uh, when my dad was, uh, would, was angry and would rant and rave, uh, that did not scare me all that much. I was like, eh, yes. okay. The times I knew that dad was, had a real issue <laughs> was when he was quiet, right? When he would not talk to you. Um, th- that was the problem, or that, that was the moment when, when you knew, oh no, I messed up, right? He's really upset. Let, let me suggest to you that the forgiveness um, the, relation, the relational aspect of prayer that, that Jesus is talking about here is a lot like that. You, you stand, nothing could ever have made my father not my father. Right? He's my father. Um, and nothing can ever make you not a child of the king once you've moved into the citizen of, uh, or once you've moved into the status of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But you, you can through your own hardened heart, right, create a, a, like a, a wall, right, between you and the Lord, where it's almost like you are saying, you know what, I don't really need your forgiveness for these everyday sins I commit. It's worth your, a, relation, a right relationship with you, Lord, is worth less to me than the anger I'm holding, than the things I'm holding on to. I, I, it's okay. I, I only want you to forgive me for the things I do on a daily basis to the extent that I've forgiven others and I haven't. So that's real problematic, right? It, it's cutting you off from blessing, from fulfillment, from peace, from your rights as a citizen, right? You, you have a right as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven to the peace that only the Lord provides. And, and when you hold on to these, these grievances and problems and issues and uh, thoughts about others, you, you are holding them, right, and, and rejecting your birthright as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You're saying, I, I don't want that, that kind of peace. I'd rather have this. Um, so you say, well, okay, what do I do about that? Right? Because <laughs> it's, it's not like it just magically happens that you forgive people or you say, oh, I forgive you, and that's it, right? Um, I guess one, I want to return to our, our principles, um, and this is a good way to wrap up our series about, uh, about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so the, the mindset of the kingdom of heaven that, that Jesus talks about and spells out extensively uh, in the, the Sermon on the Mount is fourfold. One, uh, your time, your time is eternal, right? You have an eternal timeline as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But your chance to make an impact in the here and now is limited, right? 
we all, we all only get so much time on this earth. Um, and when, if you want to make things happen, you have to make them happen now. That's first of all. Second, you are, and I've alluded to this already, but you are very small, but you serve a God who is very powerful, infinitely so. Your, um, because you are human, your desire will, to be, will be to make yourself larger, always, right? To enlarge yourself in the eyes of others, to enlarge your legend in the eyes of society, to make people remember your name. That's, that's going to be your desire as a person. You have to reject that. You have to diminish, as John did, so that he can increase. Right? You ha- people have to see the kingdom life flowing through you. You have to be the same on the outside as you are on the inside. You have to cultivate an interior life that matches your good external actions. And finally, the good actions that you take, you have to take in the Father's name and not in your own. The, that's the, the mindset or the idea that creates good citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Sorry. So I guess a few things uh, that I would suggest uh, if you, like me, have a hard time forgetting. One, all cases of, of failing to forgive uh, are preceded by the idea that you are very important uh, and that your rights and your dignity have been violated. Maybe think about yourself less. And I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. Um, Remember, the first, remember that you are very small and it doesn't do any good to make yourself very large. You have to remember that. Uh, It's hard. It's not a human impulse at all. Uh, Second, make the focus of your thought life love, right? That's a lot of what Christ talks about in the Sermon on the Mount is loving one another, loving even your enemies. Uh, it's going to be extremely hard. But even about people who've done wrong things to you, think, how can I love this person best in this very moment? Maybe it's just praying for them. N- notice what I said. Not, uh, we have got this idea uh, that forgiveness means that you have to come to like somebody. That's hogwash. You don't have to like somebody. The Bible doesn't talk about liking people anywhere. Right? You, you can recognize that the person did a bad thing and that you don't like that, right? But forgiveness is that quality, right? The, the, the Greek word for forgiveness uh, is often translated release or let go. Let him go. That's it. It's get over it. Let it go. Um, forgiveness does not depend on others to repent or say they're sorry and it doesn't depend on them getting their just desserts right you you can construct all kinds of scenarios you ever practice what you would say to a person if you sat down with them and you could tell them everything that they did wrong to you do it all the time do you ever construct a scenario in your head about what should happen to them? I do it all the time. 
It is so tiresome. It's exhausting. Stop. (laughs) If your forgiveness is conditional, right, then you're praying to God when you pray this prayer that his forgiveness would also be conditional, and it's not. It's not. Your forgiveness must not depend on their merit, must not depend on whether you like them, it must not depend on whether they get what's coming to them. And finally, uh, I would say that you can't forgive under your own power. You didn't get saved under your own power. The Holy Spirit revealed the truth to you in one way or another. Uh, and when that happened, right, you, you made the leap, right, towards Christ. You came to believe. You, you're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help you forgive. I, I don't see any other way around it. Let me, let me um, I think we've got one more passage, don't we? Yeah, so this is a, a discourse later on that we're all familiar with, right? Um, and I think Christ spells out some of the things that I've been saying here uh, very explicitly in this parable uh, that, that follows this. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Why, why is Peter asking this? Because he wants to know what's the maximum number of times I have to forgive somebody. When can I stop? Anytime that the the disciples ask a question, basically anytime anybody asks Jesus a question, they want to know what's the minimum I can do. So Jesus says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven, 490 times, which means forever. Um, If somebody does something to me 489 times, I, I will probably not hang out with them anymore. I will probably just stop whatever we're doing um, and say, you know what, this is, this is not working out for me. I forgive you, but I'm, I'm moving on from this relationship. Next slide. Oh, I'm sorry. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto, and so Jesus explains this, right? He says, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. This is like $40 million dollars. For as much as he had not to pay, uh, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This is a picture of us, right? You, You came to Christ and there was nothing you could do to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Nothing. And he said, you know what? Insofar as you've sinned, and you've sinned your whole life, I can't let you into the kingdom of heaven, but I'm the sovereign and the Lord of the Sabbath and the King of heaven, and I forgive you. And you're welcomed in. Next slide. Oh, I'm sorry. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, uh, which is probably like five bucks. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Next slide. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. 
Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Do you see what he's saying? I mean, he, he spells out very explicitly like what, what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, what it means, right? We are in the position of the servant who was forgiven everything. Uh, and then what ingratitude um, and lack of character it shows for us to then go to others and say, you know what, you, you did X, Y, or Z to me, uh, which don't matter in eternity, um, and I'm, I'm never going to forgive you for it. What ingratitude. Uh, and and it, it doesn't reflect the character of our king. So let me read um, very quickly to you something that was written by uh, Emmett Fox, who is a uh, pastor and a writer. And a lot of his, uh, I believe some of his stuff is used in the uh, the. Uh, like the 12-step programs that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and many other similar organizations use. But he wrote this really good discourse um, on this passage. Um, And I just, I like it, so I'm going to finish out with it because I I think it sums up in, in a really good way what I've been trying to say. We must positively and definitively extend forgiveness to everyone to whom it is possible that we can owe forgiveness, namely to anyone we think can have injured us in any way. Jesus leaves no room for any possible glossing of this fundamental thing. He has constructed his prayer with more skill than any lawyer displayed in the casting of a deed. He has so contrived it that once our attention has been drawn to this matter, we are inevitably obliged either to forgive our enemies in sincerity and truth or never again to repeat the prayer. It's safe to say that no one who reads this with understanding will ever again be able to use the Lord's Prayer unless and until he has forgiven. Should you now attempt to to repeat it without forgiving, it can safely be predicted that you will not be able to finish it. The great central clause will stick in your throat. Notice that Jesus does not say, forgive me my trespasses, and I will try to forgive others, or I'll see if I can do it or I will forgive generally with certain exceptions. He obliges us to to declare that we have actually forgiven and forgiven all, and he makes our claim to our own forgiveness to depend on that. Uh, And then he he gives a helpful method um, that I've actually used. The technique of forgiveness is simple enough and not very difficult to manage when you understand how. The only thing that is essential is willingness to forgive. Provided you desire to forgive the offender, the greater part of the work is already done. People have always made such a bogey of forgiveness because they have been under the erroneous impression that to forgive a person means that you have to compel yourself to like him. Happily, this is by no means the case. We are not called upon to like anyone whom we do not find ourselves liking spontaneously. And and indeed, it's quite quite impossible to like people to order. You can no more like, you can no more like to order than you can hold the winds in your fist. And if you endeavor to coerce yourself into doing so, you will finish by disliking or hating the offender more than ever. People used to think that when someone had hurt them very much, it was their duty as good Christians to pump up, as it were, a feeling of liking for him 
And since such a thing is utterly impossible, they suffer a great deal of distress and ended necessarily with failure and a resulting sense of sinfulness. We are not obliged to like anyone, but we are under a binding obligation to love everyone. Love or charity, as the Bible calls it, meaning a vivid sense of impersonal goodwill. This has nothing to do with your feelings, though it is always followed sooner or later by a wonderful feeling of peace and happiness. The method of forgiving is this. Get by yourself and become quiet. Repeat any prayer or treatment that appeals to you or read a chapter of the Bible. Then quietly say, I fully and freely forgive X. Mention the name of the offender. I loose him and I let him go. I completely forgive the whole business in question. As far as I am concerned, it is finished forever. I cast the burden of resentment upon the Christ within me. He is free now and I am free too. I wish him well in every phase of his life. The incident is finished. The Christ truth has set us both free. Thank God. Then get up and go about your business. On no account repeat this act of forgiveness because you have once and for all, and to do it a second time would be tacitly to repudiate your own work. Afterward, whenever the memory of the offender or the offense happens to come into your mind, bless him briefly and dismiss it altogether. Then, perhaps after an interval, shorter or longer, the old trouble may come back to memory once more, but you will find that all bitterness and resentment have disappeared, and you are both free with the perfect freedom of the children of God. Your, for, your forgiveness is complete. You will experience a wonderful joy in the realization of the demonstration. Everybody should practice general forgiveness every day as a matter of course. The result of this policy will be that very soon you will find yourself cleared of all resentment and condemnation and the effect upon your happiness, your bodily health, and your general life will be nothing less than revolutionary. Um, I've used this technique for a while um, and it works. It's not magic, um, but it focuses your mind on who you are and who God is. Uh, I love that phrase, I will... I will cast this resentment upon the Christ who lives within me. Um, You can't shoulder this burden on your own, but Christ can. He's got it.